MSW Media. News was wearing daily beans, daily beans, daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, August 13th, 2020. Today, Republicans are scared of Kamala Harris. The White House finally clarifies the illegal Trump executive orders on coronavirus relief, and they suck. Florida sheriff bans deputies and visitors from wearing masks. An open letter to General Milley. Politico gets its hands on fired Inspector General Linick's report on Pompeo's emergency Saudi arms deals. Trump cancels intelligence briefings. Kanye West faces up to three years in prison for collecting fake signatures. Trump rolls back more EPA protections. And Biden and Harris appear together for the first time in Wilmington, Delaware. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everybody. Big show today. I'm fired up. Uh, I haven't been this happy in a really long time. Uh, first of all, my eye has completely healed. Thank you for all the get well messages. They worked. Uh, that and getting a good night's sleep for the first time in years, thanks to Harris being named Biden's running mate, and not to mention the tears of joy lubricating my sick eye and making everything better again. We'll talk more today about Harris's journey to vice president. I'll also be speaking with Eric Garland about the forthcoming Senate intelligence report on the counterintelligence investigation into Russian election interference in 2016, as well as the inspector general report on Mike Pompeo. Politico got an unredacted copy of that. Uh, And uh, we have also headlines from Under the Radar and the Good News Block with Jordan and a lot more. So with all of that to get to, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. So I, I have to tell you all that when Biden surged ahead and became the presumptive nominee for the Democratic ticket, I was excited, uh, but I didn't feel super inspired uh, or anything like I had felt back in 2007. And that was OK with me. We were, in fact, simply working to restore our government and institutions and eject an authoritarian racist xenophobe from the White House. And I was excited enough plenty for that. Uh, But when I got the text uh, yesterday during recording that Kamala Harris had been chosen as Biden's running mate, despite being sure, based on inside sources, that she was going to be the pick, we already knew that, uh, I was surprised with how emotional I I became about the announcement. Uh, I tweeted about getting that 2007 feeling again, and I was wondering if anyone else had experienced it. And it turns out there are a lot of people who got that extra boost of hope after this announcement. I slept like a baby last night and woke up with hope in my heart. And I'm excited to know that so many other people are experiencing the same thing. I I feel so much better. I feel like we've turned a corner finally, at least for me. And it seems like for a lot of others, from what I'm gathering from all the feedback that I'm getting on this announcement. From Politico today, uh, quote, just as she emerged uh, as an early favorite for Joe Biden's ticket this spring, Kamala Harris issued a directive to her supporters. There would be no lobbying uh, campaign to try to influence his pick. Quote, he knows who I am, unquote. One of her supporters, California Lieutenant Governor Eleni uh, Kunalakis, recalled Harris saying, quote, I don't want to put pressure on him. He'll make the right call. Biden essentially nominated the future face of the Democratic Party. Um, And and what they mean there is that, you know, it's doubtful that Biden would seek a second term, um, meaning that the most likely candidate for president in 2024 
would be Kamala Harris. Uh, They go on to say the child of Jamaican and Indian immigrants, Harris is both South Asian and black. She is viewed by the right as too liberal and by the far left as too centrist. Uh, Interviews with more than two dozen people in and around the vetting process, including staffers, elected officials, Biden confidants, donors, and Biden campaign aides, painted a picture of how Biden arrived at his decision. And as the hours uh, progress after the announcement, we're learning that she was the front runner the entire time. Uh, From a Time Magazine article today, quote, as Joe Biden was mulling his choice of running mate, there may have been one important question in the back of his mind. Sure, the polling and focus groups were informative. He listened to his advisor's research, and they felt like their insights were instructive. He kept calling old friends to get their impressions. Biden had liked all of the women he considered, his advisors said. But in interviews, they suggested one thing he might have been asking himself all along was, what would Beau do? Uh, Beau Biden, the former vice president's late son, was at the fore this week when when Biden selected Kamala Harris uh, for, you know, from the group of qualified and formidable women on his short list. Perhaps just as important as her Howard University education, whip smart political instincts, uh, her time as attorney general. Um, but Harris and Bo Biden overlapped for four years as their state's top prosecutors. Harris running California, Biden running Delaware. And that connection for a Washington veteran who, who places personal relationships above almost any other trait stuck with Biden. That's according to advisors close to Biden. Quote, I first met Kamala through my son, Bo. Uh, that's according to Biden. He said that on Tuesday during the long-awaited announcement. Quote, he had enormous respect for her and her work. And I thought a lot about that as I made this decision. There's n- is, there is no one's opinion I valued more than Bo's, and I'm proud to have Kamala standing with me on this campaign. And from the New York Times, former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Kamala Harris were preparing for their first public appearance as running mates Wednesday afternoon after President Trump, his Republican allies and conservative hosts on Fox News, unfurled a string of sexist attacks and racist attacks on Ms. Harris. Mr. Trump added to the barrage with a racist tweet on Wednesday morning claiming that Mr. Biden would put another black leader, Cory Booker, in charge of low-income housing in the suburbs. That tweet did not mention Ms. Harris, but continued Mr. Trump's tactic of playing into white racist fears about integration efforts as he declared, quote, the suburban housewife will be voting for me. They want safety and are thrilled that I ended the long-running program where low-income housing would invade their neighborhood. Biden would reinstall it in a bigger form with Cory Booker in charge, unquote. Trump did not explain why he referred to Mr. Booker, whose first name he misspelled, but the salvo came after a chorus of Fox News hosts on Tuesday night assailed Ms. Harris, attacking everything from the pronunciation of her name to Joe's selection process for focusing on women of color. Over and over, Tuesday night, Tucker Carlson, Fox News host, mispronounced her first name, even growing angry when corrected. So what, he said, when a guest told him it was pronounced Kamala. Now, despite everyone pretty much knowing that Harris would be the choice, the president and the White House seemed wholly unprepared to comment on it. But they put up a late press briefing, anyhow, on that day, because Trump is such a small man, he couldn't stand that he wasn't driving the news cycle for five minutes. Ms. Harris ran her own presidential campaign and was widely seen as the most obvious choice for Biden, at once a conventional and groundbreaking choice. But when he finally announced her selection on Tuesday, Mr. Trump and his allies appeared to be caught without a coordinated plan, launching from one attack to another. After Ms. Harris was chosen, Trump described her four times as nasty or nastier, using some of his favorite terms for female opponents, and complained that she had not been nice to his Supreme Court nominee, rapist Brett Kavanaugh during confirmation hearings. Hours after calling Ms. Harris the most liberal member of the Senate, 
The Republican National Committee sent out an email blast saying that progressives hated her because she wasn't progressive enough. Kind of goes back to my whole argument that one side keeps saying she's too moderate and the other side keeps saying she's a a leftist, uh, you know, demagogue. Ms. Harris will have several chances in the coming months uh, to respond directly to criticism from Mr. Trump's allies, including during a vice presidential debate scheduled for October 7th, where she will wipe the floor with Vice President Mike Pence's ass. I wonder if his wife has to be present. Mother. Andrew Bates, a spokesman for the Biden campaign, said Mr. Trump's tweet about suburban housing amounted to clumsy, bigoted lies and showed the president was dumbfounded after Joe Biden's selection of a strong running mate. Shouldn't have been dumbfounded, though. We all kind of knew. Kamala and Joe spoke today in their first appearance together in Wilmington, Delaware, and it was so touching and inspiring. I've tweeted out a link to her entire speech. I recommend you watch it. It came from Amy Vanderpool. She talked about Joe through the lens of her friendship with his son, Beau. She dismantled the Trump administration and his complete mismanagement of the pandemic among and the economy. Uh, she talked about how Obama and Biden put together the longest period of economic growth and prosperity in the history of the United States and how, just like everything else Trump has inherited, he drove it into the ground. She talked in terms of being a prosecutor and dedicated her life to equal justice under the law and how she'll never forget the first time she stood in front of a judge and said, Your Honor, Kamala Harris for the people. She referred to the case against Trump and Pence as open and shut. And she and Joe both talked about the importance of family and how her stepkids call her Mamala, and that's the most important title she's had of all the titles that she's had in her life, and how Joe's empathy and attitude of how can I help you instead of what's in it for me echoes exactly what I spoke with Mary Trump about when in her book she talked about Trump's father saying to his alcoholic son, what do you want from me instead of how can I help? I said that was the choice we seem to be facing in November, and Kamala touched on it in her speech today. I remember when she was done speaking, I saw that Trump was holding another press conference, and I just immediately thought, I know I'm supposed to report the news, but I don't want or need to ever hear him speak again. The comparisons are just... They're... I just didn't want to... After hearing hearing Harris and Biden, I just didn't want to listen to Trump. We've been starved of good people with good things to say for so long. And this just wasn't because they could string coherent sentences together and didn't say racist shit. It was incredibly wonderful and inspiring and empathic and beautiful and inspiring and hopeful. And I think it's what we've all needed. And that's the feeling that I'm getting. That's the zeitgeist I'm seeing. We've just learned... For example, from the New York Times, that in the 24 hours following the announcement of Harris as his running mate, the Biden campaign not only broke its single-day fundraising record, it more than doubled it. It raised over $30 million in the past 24 hours. And that's not, we don't even know if that's the number or not. That's just what we're getting from Act Blue. The real numbers could be much higher, just haven't been reported yet. Now, if that doesn't convince you that you're not alone for feeling hope again for the first time in years, I do not know what will. But America is ready for this, and we're all here for it. So ignore the extremist attacks. Block anyone who tries to equate the parties. Enjoy the new hope that her selection has ignited. We have a ticket. We have a race to win. We have a job to do. And we have the winning ticket, so we need to get to work. So please make sure you're registered to vote. Get your friends to vote and make sure they're registered to vote. Your family, make sure they're registered to vote. And make sure your ballot gets where it needs to be 
as early as you can possibly make sure it's there. And we'll be right back with Jordan Coburn and News from Under the Radar. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey friends, today's episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by BetterHelp. Life is pretty crazy these days and people are out of work. There's a pandemic and anxiety about the future. And it's at an all-time high, uh, this anxiety. And if you're struggling dealing with these issues or any others keeping you from living a full, happy life, I recommend trying BetterHelp. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. It is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is licensed professional counseling done securely online. They'll assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in less than 24 hours. As you know, I've personally dealt with trauma, PTSD, and anxiety. I'm a big believer in seeking help when you need it. And BetterHelp services are available for clients worldwide with a broad range of expertise in their counselor network, a lot of which might not be locally available in your area. And the best thing about BetterHelp is you can log into your account anytime from anywhere and send a message to your counselor and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Or, and, or, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. That's the most important thing, that you're matched with someone who you can truly trust and that will help you. And it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid's available. You can visit their website, read their testimonials like this one by BetterHelp user BR, who says, uh, Julaine has been really helpful in me uh, identifying the causes and roots of my feelings. She's interactive, knowledgeable, and has given me some really good tools uh, to help with what I've already been working through. She's respectful but honest, doesn't beat around the bush, but also doesn't bluntly state everything. She's tactful and understanding and kind, and I'm really thankful for her working with me. So visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Daily Beans listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's time for headlines from Under the Radar. And with me is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hi. How's your eyeball? Hi. It is better. It is better. I have told the people. Yay. I have spoken. <laughs> it is a hundred percent better. And it, I to, I said in the in the first uh in the first in the A block, I was like, it was a combination of getting the best night's sleep I've gotten in a while and crying tears of joy. Yes. That healed my eye. So <laughs> thank you. That's beautiful. Harris. Um Yeah. Uh, Good thing you didn't go to the doctor. I know there were a lot of people that were like, You need to go to the ER and you were like, No, thank you. And that was a good call because you wound up being okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, I couldn't go. I was trying to get an appointment with a doctor doctor, but the next available appointments were all like August 19th or some shit. And I was like, I'll, I'll make that appointment if it doesn't get better the next day. But it's better. Yeah, and I'm I won't still... have an eyeball by then. <laughs> I'm still like taking care of it. I'm still, you know, sitting around in dark, mostly dark rooms and, uh, you know, try not moving my eye very much and keeping it lubricated. But yes, like layer AG. Yeah. I, yeah. Layer AG, <laughs> which is, you know, pretty much regular AG. <laughs> yeah. But you know, do I stay in bed in the dark room or do I go out and sit in my lounger in my, <laughs> my uh, Eames chair yes. in a dark room? And it, but because of the sun uh, in that room, it's just too bright. Darn it. I have to stay in bed all <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah. I love how your living room is set up too, because it's like, it is really just that one chair. It's just such a power move. Like when you walk into your house, it's like, oh, <laughs> fuck yeah. This is her fucking house. It's just one chair facing the TV. <laughs> and then like nothing next to it. <laughs> it's like, fuck you. I yeah. live alone now. I love it. I just imagine you sitting there just like twirling your fingers around together like, yes. Watching. Petting the cat. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, That's how it goes. Yes. Or playing Animal Crossing. Very diabolical. <laughs> totally. Um, 
but we do have uh, some headlines, and uh, these aren't necessarily the best news, but we do have the good news block later, so just, you know, <laughs> buckle up, we'll get there. But for now, this first story here is that President Trump's senior aides are acknowledging uh, that they are providing less financial assistance for, the, for assistance for the unemployed than the president initially advertised mm. amid mounting blowback from state officials from both parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, so on Saturday, Trump approved an executive action he claimed would provide an additional $400 a week and expanded unemployment benefits. It's currently $600 for Americans who have lost their jobs during the pandemic. So he was going to decrease it by 33 percent. But Tuesday... By the, by Tuesday, senior White House officials were saying publicly the maneuver only guarantees an extra $300 per week for unemployed Americans, with states not required to add anything uh, to their existing state benefit programs to qualify for the federal benefit. A clarification came as the odds of a bipartisan stimulus package grew increasingly dim and state leaders clamored for the White House and Congress to approve some fucking legislation that would more directly address the expiration of unemployment benefits, among other things. The president and his senior advisors have expressed optimism that the economy does not need an additional package following with the White House's executive maneuvers. Maneuvers. Uh, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, the president's emissary in negotiations with congressional Democrats, left Washington this week for an unspecified amount of time. Just bailed. Just ghosted. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, s- states have expressed frustration over the, practic- the practicality of the president's new unemployment aid plan because the White House initially suggested states would have to contribute more money, even though many are facing major budget shortfalls and the you know federal government's not giving them anything to help fight coronavirus. The president's favorite economic indicator, the stock market, began to slide Tuesday amid growing evidence that an additional aid package was not on the way. Mm-hmm. To me, I think this personally gives Democrats the leverage to hold out for more meaningful legislation and to give pe- like people money that will actually make a fucking difference. Well, we'll see what happens. But that's where we're at right now. And I I think that they're going to be forced to come to the table. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because if they keep no, you know, we're not going to sign anything unless it's really shitty. You know, if that's your position. Right. Like you're not going to you're not going to win. And if the and, and if the stock market starts to slide, that's when the Republicans are like, oh, damn it. Our shitty shit isn't working. We have to do something to save the stock market because that's all they fucking care about. Yeah. So I think we'll see something. I think we'll see something. Yeah. I think that logic makes a lot of sense. Additionally, and unfortunately, I could also see him taking that as an opportunity to just issue more executive orders and think that that's the way to remedy the situation in the stock market instead of actually going to the legislative body itself. It's... I remember, too, a few days ago when he was introducing those, he was presenting it saying, I'm giving Americans an additional $400. That's $400 more Mm. than they're getting now. It's like, no, it's not, you fucking liar. I hate that he just gets to say that shit. There should be, like, real time. At this point, we should be able to anticipate what he's going to lie about, and there should just be someone at the board ready to just go bleep and just like bleep out the fucking non-facts. <laughs> that would be that would be so great. You'd just be bleeping out the entire speech. Yeah, you know? yeah. It'd be like Eminem on FM radio. Just like <laughs> I was going to say, it's like the Eminem censor guy. <laughs> sweat coming yeah you just hear air rip my name is beep 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 and i beep 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 
that's all it would be. Uh, but, you know, I'm I'm so with you on that because and I, I think Winslow put out Don Winslow put out a new video like interrupt him. Look, press corps, like talking to the press corps in the White House. Quit being fucking, you know, babies about this. Mm-hmm. Interrupt him. Mm-hmm. To call him on his bullshit. And some of them have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they need to do that more often. Don't move on to another question. But now he's planted OAN and and the New York Post in the press pool and just goes to them for questions so nobody even gets to ask a question so that's where we're at with this bullshit and I'm tired of it and I don't even want to watch it anymore but tell us what this idiot Florida sheriff is doing because that's even that's even better yeah so this guy really takes the idiot cake like it is really bad so his name is Sheriff Billy Woods which is the most sheriffy name I've ever heard in my goddamn life (laughs) Bill- I know it's like straight out of Walking Dead, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm Billy, Billy Woods, and I'm here to kill zombies. Yes, or exactly. And he has like a timber mustache to follow suit. Billy Woods of Marion County, Florida. And uh, he is saying, so the city of Ocala, Florida, said that uh, you're required to wear a mask. It was a mask mandate ordinance. They put that ordinance in place, obviously, for the purpose of slowing the COVID-19 spread because it's getting really bad in Florida. And this sheriff decided to come out and use the opportunity that was afforded to government entities that are exempt from this mandate. Uh, he used that loophole i guess you could say i mean it was a very overt loophole that they they give to government entities but he took the opportunity to say my order will stand as is and when he says my order uh the order is that you are not required to wear masks in fact you are required to not wear masks when you are working as an employee and not only when you are working as an employee it is if you are even going into the office so he has a, for like citizens that are not even on the payroll, anyone walking into the sheriff's office, if it's either the main office or if it's a district office, they're going to be asked to remove their mask. And if they don't do that, they're going to be told that they have to leave. So this is <laughs> insane. He only listed out a few exceptions when he said masks need to be worn by officers or personnel. He said those places are at the courthouse, schools, hospitals, and while on patrol uh, and pro- and responding to a nursing home or involving a high-risk elderly individual, which is, I have to say, a good spread of things to, not to use the word spread again, but it's using... <laughs> It's, I mean, those are, those are the places you would want to take extra caution, but why not just extend that to your whole fucking place? How, how, why would you mandate that people not wear masks? That is insane. And he gives the reason. It's because of clear communication. A need for clear communication is why. Oh, yes. God. Yes. He said, in light of the current events, when it comes to the sentiment and or hatred toward law enforcement in our country today, this is being done to ensure there is clear communication and for identification purposes of any individual walking into a lobby. So he's using probably his <sighs> racist opinion of being anti-Black Lives Matter, really. Uh, he's, yeah. he's, he's weaponizing that by requiring that people not wear masks that's the only way i think anybody can interpret it he he shouldn't have even opened up his mouth and given that reason that just gave everybody so many more fucking stones to throw it's like yeah that's that's what it says to me that that that, that basically you don't hey if you don't trust the community 
that you are policing, maybe you shouldn't be so racist. Yep, exactly. Seems like a pretty simple fucking solution America hasn't been able to figure out since its founding. If everybody hates you, it's because you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> it's, it's not... Okay. Um, <clears throat> wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's so, bad. forcing you to take your mask off. Mm-hmm. In- interesting. Interesting way to go. Yep. Wo- what's his name? Wood. Billy, Billy Woods. Woods. Mm. Oh, Billy Boy. Interesting way to go, Billy. Billy Bo Bob Brain. Yep. All right. <laughs> Next up from Vanity Fair. Uh, given that he didn't announce his candidacy until July, Kanye West's presidential bid has been an uphill battle from the start. I love I love that. That's like, yeah, the understatement of the year. But now his campaign is facing a brand new hurdle to appear on ballots in November in the form of suggestions of potential elect- election fraud. Election fraud. Uh, Kanye has filed petitions to appear on the presidential ticket in 10 states, but so far has only managed to uh, get his way onto the Oklahoma ballot. <laughs> <laughs> Although he has many, he's, I'm sure Yeezy's got a huge Oklahoma contingency, but <laughs> although he has many petitions pending review, he's only gotten on the Oklahoma ballot. And while he managed to meet the filing deadlines for Illinois and New Jersey, the two states are now throwing West's eligibility into doubt after both announced that the majority of the signatures submitted as part of his petition are fake. Uh. Uh, the latest issue has come into West's home state, where Chicago's WTTW reported that he was 1,300 signatures short of the necessary 2,500. He needed 2,500 signatures in Chicago. He couldn't, Kanye West couldn't get 2,500 signatures in Chicago. uh, And he needed those to appear on the ballot in Illinois. Uh, I'm sorry, all of Illinois. Uh, A hearing officer determined that only 1,200 signatures were valid after the 46th Ward Democratic Committee member Sean Tenor was inspired to take a closer look at the rapper's petition. WTTW reported that the petition submitted by his campaign with the help of GOP officials in Wisconsin is also being challenged. In fact, they had GOP barkers, the, the... Republican Party had barkers on the street corners trying to get signatures saying, help us take votes away from Joe Biden. Help Trump win by taking votes away from Joe Biden. Everyone, you can help Trump win. That was how they were getting signatures for Kanye. Wow. And they couldn't get 2,500. Last week, NJ.com reported that West's campaign withdrew his petition hours before a scheduled hearing to determine his application's validity after an elections lawyer questioned over 700 signatures his team submitted. He submitted 1,327 signatures to the New Jersey Division of Elections ahead of the July 27 deadline. Two days later, Florham Park-based elections attorney Scott Salmon, or Salmon, says he found hundreds of suspicious signatures with issues including no last name, no municipality listed, Mickey Mouse, for example, people who were not registered to vote or didn't even live in New Jersey. Additionally... The New York Times investigation found there are a number of Republican activists helping West get on the ballots, including Mark Jacoby, whose company Let the Voters Decide has been collecting signatures in Ohio, West Virginia, Isn't and Arkansas. Isn't that what a fucking voter is? Let the voters decide? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> While we're, well, you know, Mickey Mouse, let him choose. While working for the California Republican Party in 2008, Jacoby was arrested on voter fraud charges and pleaded guilty. Voter registration fraud carries a penalty of up to three years in prison according to CBS News, and that is what Kanye could be looking at. And from The Hill, 
The president's son-in-law and senior advisor, Jared Kushner, met recently with Kanye West mm. uh, as he's been stepping up his efforts. This meeting will likely further speculation that Republican political operatives are assisting West's bid, which he first announced last month in an effort to handicap presumptive Democratic nominee Joe Biden. And despite the plotting, however, Politico reports today, Democrats aren't sweating West at this point. Mm-hmm. And Republicans, that seems like an action, right? I'm sweating West. What are <laughs> yeah. you doing? S- sweating West? Just like it means you're traveling toward the beach and it's really hot. Yeah. And Republicans don't view him as a boon to their cause either. And there's a good reason. In a new Politico morning, uh, morning consult poll, Kanye West garnered 2% support overall among registered voters, seven points behind the no opinion option. Oh, <laughs> His support God. among African-American voter, among African American voters is just as meager, 2%. And Biden's nine-point national lead over Trump is unmoved with or without West on the ballot. It makes no sense that Trump would work with them ever at all, uh, aside from, I guess... <sighs> Him just wanting to capitalize off of someone that's famous that actually likes him because there's fucking hardly any famous people that like Trump. <laughs> some, I guess maybe that could be reason enough. But like that does seem very there's got to be some sort of weird like exchanges going on, especially if he's like actively meeting with Kushner currently. That's fucking weird. I just hope Kanye gets help. He's so clearly mentally ill. It's like just so sad. Ugh. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's it's horrible. Yeah. God damn. Well, that's a bummer all around. Um, And so is this next story. (laughs) This is great, everyone. So (laughs) Trump followed through on a promise that he made a while ago that he was going to roll back EPA restrictions. And one of the provisions that he is uh, rolling back is regulations on methane so one of the regulations that they're rolling back on is there's a requirement uh, that required producers to establish methane leak protocols and they got rid of that requirement or that's what they're uh, planning on moving forward with and the other one is uh, a provision that removes large storage facilities and pipelines from the purview of the epa so this is where would it go (laughs) i don't think they concern themselves with that question (laughs) i don't think that's at all uh part of their game plan they just uh goes in the new department the department of who could care less right Uh, it's run by i don't know yeah exactly Also, these were rules that were put in place during the Obama administration, so that alone just put a target on their back. This was back in 2016. Um, This was out of concern over methane's contribution to climate change, and that is, you know, the main threat of methane. Methane's not among the VOCs, which stands for Volatile Organic Compounds, that's listed by the EPA. Uh, but yeah, methane is a greenhouse gas and it's super potent. It's a really potent warming agent and it does a lot of damage over a short period of time. And uh, VOCs are still regulated under the proposed language, but this would allow, yeah, methane to uh, release itself from the grip of those regulations. That's probably because every time Trump opens his mouth, 
uh, a bunch of methane escapes. And so maybe it's, you know, he didn't want the restrictions <laughs> on himself anymore. Yes, totally. Dude, Obama could have put out an executive order that said, uh, uh, from here on out, uh, no one will be required to eat dog shit. Thank you. And Trump <laughs> would reverse it. Yep. Yeah. Trump I, would reverse it. Yeah, absolutely. You should have the right to eat dog shit if you want to. It's un-American to prevent the eating of dog shit. Not on my watch. I mean, can we please start a, a Russian style like disinformation campaign where we mobilize people to attend protests for eating dog shit? That would be so fun. <laughs> that would be so fun <laughs> just to do this long ass campaign. Like, they're trying to tell you you can't eat dog shit. Well, I say I'll eat whatever the fuck I want. Meet me at City Hall. Bring your dogs. <laughs> it's a fucking. Mark my words. <laughs> oh my god. I want that to happen. Come on. We need to retaliate. <laughs> oh, we'll get somebody dressed up as a piece of shit, like a giant poop in a prison outfit. Hey, yes. Do you know, uh, fun fact, my best friend growing up, Taylor, she dressed up as a piece of shit and I dressed up as a toilet, everyone. Doesn't that check out? Have you ever heard anything that checked out more than that? I was a toilet for Halloween, and my best friend was Did you a, have a bidet? turd. We didn't have a bidet, but our friend Sierra was toilet uh. paper. <laughs> so we had... Okay. Yeah. So you did, you did have butt-wiping accoutrement. We- <laughs> That's good. Yes. Yes, yes, we did. It was great. It was... Uh, and we were way too old to be dressed like that. I think we were 14, which is... Very, very old. Dude, I would have done that when I was forty, dude. <laughs> and I remember, I remember when Joelle and her so back in the day dressed up as sperm and egg. Uh, <laughs> he was sperm, but she and she was an egg, but she was like a fried egg, like a sunny side up egg. It was oh, awesome. Funny, it was awesome. That's so cool. You're never too old. Yeah. Never too um, old. Yes, and then really one one last quick detail about the story that is is interesting. So the regulations, they're they're apparently a lot more burdensome to small and independent producers who don't have the means to to like you know adhere to the requirements that's an argument that we hear a lot uh and then you have these big companies like exxon Mobil. they don't really have as much of an issue adhering to them and they told the wall street journal or at least according to the wall street journal they actually preferred that the rules remain the same. They said uh, a lack of climate regulation undermines their promise that the U.S. natural gas they sell is a cleaner source of energy. So that's that's an interesting angle take, right? Because like my first instinct mm-hmm. is, oh, how is this helping the big oil companies? And I'm sure I I'm sure it's still. I mean, <laughs> like. Even if they try, I I am so not just going to believe them at face value with that quote. Like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you, even though how they they even cloaked it and like, well, it's going to hurt our numbers because we said that we care about these things. (laughs) And that's that's what presents the problem. Not that we actually care. I like how that wasn't the statement. Isn't that good enough? Uh, Yeah. Isn't Isn't that good enough? We hurt ourselves by saying... I mean, do we really have to go through the motions? Right. <laughs> like, right. Oh, Lord. Yeah. But, yeah, well, that's, that's that story. <laughs> that's what happens when you put a dingo in charge of a baby. Um, mm. And I know that people are keeping lists. I know Amy Siskind is keeping a list of all the things that Trump is undoing, uh, which is just going to be a giant to-do list for Biden and Harris when they get into office on January 20th. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, so I've spent a lot of time putting things back to the way they were. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're going to be right back after this quick break. I'm going to have uh, intelligence analyst for corporations and governments, Eric Garland, joining me. And we're going to discuss a whole host of intelligence stuff uh, that's in the news today. So you don't want to miss it. And right after that, we will have the good news box. So stay with us. Hey, everybody, it's AG. So many normally routine things are now challenging because of the pandemic, but seeing a doctor shouldn't be. That's why I started using Plush Care. Plush Care provides primary and urgent health care through virtual appointments. And scheduling an appointment, even for the same day, is really, really easy. You just pick a slot that works for you and bam, you book it online. So you don't waste time on hold or sitting in crowded waiting rooms. With my Plush Care membership, I can see my doctor from the comfort of my own home, in my pajamas, in my onesies, my jammy jammy jams. Uh, I can get diagnosed and treated and have a prescription sent to my local pharmacy if I need, and, and that happens all within minutes. And if I have any questions before or after my visit, I can send unlimited messages to my care team anytime. Plus, Plush Care accepts major insurance carriers and is available in all 50 states. And with like how difficult things are right now, if you're feeling anxious or depressed or stressed about what's going on in the world, Plush Care doctors are there to help by discussing treatment options and providing prescriptions if needed. I can tell you personally, my Plush Care experience has been super easy and convenient. Signing up was a breeze. Um, it took a minute. It's easy to just schedule an appointment. The entire process has been really convenient. I was amazed how immediately comfortable and confident I was with my doctor because all plush care doctors graduated from one of the top 50 medical schools in the U.S., and they're all highly rated by their patients. That gives me peace of mind that I'm getting the highest quality health care. Plush Care makes it easy for me to get the excellent care I need when I need it, and they can do the same for you. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash dailybeans to start your free 30-day trial. That's plushcare, P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E dot com slash dailybeans for a free 30-day trial. Again, that's plushcare.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Joining me today to discuss uh, several things, including the Inspector General report on Pompeo, the upcoming SISI report for, you know, the counterintelligence report on Russia 2016 we've been waiting for, uh, and a couple other things is, let's see, well, well, you so many, so many credits, but we're just going to say strategic uh, intelligence analyst for corporations and governments, Eric Garland. Eric, welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. Yeah, this is our first time talking, so I'm excited about this. And uh, I have a few questions for you today. First, uh, I'd like to tackle the Inspector General report from the State Department. This is the lead from Politico. They say the State Department did not fully consider the risk of civilian casualties when it approved the $8 billion arms sale to Middle Eastern countries last year. That's according to a redacted Inspector General report released Tuesday. But Politico got the unredacted version, and it also raised questions about Secretary of State Pompeo's assertions that an emergency situation existed, allowing him to greenlight the sales over congressional objections. And we'd heard this report, they've been sitting on this report for a while, uh, and then they released a very redacted version. But it seems like he made that end run around Congress by declaring it an emergency. I was wondering what your top line reactions were to this, this report. I'm not sure I'm going to come up with anything better than uh, Representative Elliot Engel did about this report when he says it's not really an emergency if you plan for it 20 days in advance when you're going to say it's an emergency so you can get around Congress, then it's more of like a conspiracy to defraud, perhaps. He didn't say that part. I, that, the, the felonious language is mine on the end. But the, the subtext uh, that he adds in that I don't think is uh, quite evident from the redacted report is that this was not really an emergency. And this was an intentional uh, initiative to end run Congress's legal role in oversight over these things. And, you know, the State Department uh, does have an arms control 
uh, you know, duty. It's got a billet there uh, under the executive branch, but it's mostly around diplomacy and making sure that you know agreements are kept. And it, they're not supposed to be an arms dealer in and of themselves. And Pompeo clearly took that on himself. And, uh, you know, 21 different arms deals, $8.1 billion to Saudi, the UAE, and Jordan. And given their activities uh, against our democracy, I don't think that puts them in the same list as the Five Eye Intelligence Alliance in terms of allies. <laughs> um, you know, no, no. So that's not very nice now, is it? <laughs> You are correct. <laughs> um, and I think equally as important here is the fact that the report was hidden and continues to be hidden. The only reason we have it now is because Politico got its hands on an unredacted report, which we can talk about two things with that. First of all, the IG was fired yes. uh, pretty much based on this report. And, of course, we've got this massive attack on inspectors general. But also that we are getting our intelligence now through these sorts of leaks from Seemingly, the intelligence community could be somebody from the White House. I really don't know, but you know your your thoughts on that. Well, you uh, you know, I'm being an intelligence professional. I'm I'm not a fan of leaks. Nobody who's in the intelligence world likes leaks. None of us like Snowden. None of us think that's journalism. Uh, that said, you know, the people do need to know, and we're some things, and we're in a really exceptional period of time now, where you've got you know an administration full of, uh, you know, what appears to be agents of possible foreign powers to some degree or another, uh, who, you know, who, you know, aren't, it's not like they're using intelligence and somebody has got to tell us what's going on in general, not, not the top, top secret stuff. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not an ideal situation. Uh, but you know, these were, however, it makes it out to us. Uh, you know, I think we need to know that this administration has been betraying its duty the American people to this degree, and those kind of specifics on who we are arming up, you know, people who are actively penetrating and trying to subvert our democracy. Um, I think that's, that, you know, that's a basic fact that citizens need to know, especially in an election year, that that's who these guys are. They will give, they will give weapons to our enemies outside of the law of this nation. Yeah, and the same goes with um, the intelligence of Russia interfering in 2020, which Mark Warner has has toyed with the idea of you know pulling a Mike Gravel and just reading it into the record and uh, and releasing it that way. And of course, even Marco Rubio wasn't really strong in his opposition of that. He was just like, well, you know, uh, he can do that technically, but I advise caution. You know. So <laughs> It's uh, it's just uh, you're right. These are extraordinary times, and I think we're past the tipping point of when secrecy is more helpful than than not. And this sort of leads into the next topic, and that's the intelligence briefings. And according to a, a review by the Huffington Post, uh, they've been on the decline. Uh, intelligence briefings to the president. Uh, he went from a high of 4.1 briefings per week in March of 2017 to less than one per week since July 1st, um, shortly after it became public that he had ignored intelligence reports about Russia offering bounties to the Taliban for American soldiers killed in Afghanistan. Now, the question here is, and my first my first top-line thought is, what would he do if he got, why would we be safer if he got this intelligence? Uh, I'm not sh- I mean, I... I actually was on the, on the, on the side of the, the fewer intelligence briefings he gets, probably the better, um, given the proximity that he and his people have to, I mean, look, when your personal attorney, quote unquote, is going to screw around 
with, uh, quote, Ukrainian lawmakers uh, who I'm just going to call spies. They're Russian spies. If you went to the FSB Academy, like Andrea Birkach did, you're a spy, uh, just sort of like there are no former Russian military translator interpreters. Those are spies, too. If you work for the Russian military and you do language, you're a spy. Um, and, and you don't get out of that gig. If that's who his lawyer is going around and, you know, playing around with the whole time, if you got Jared, you know, somewhere between his back channel, the, the Benjamin Netanyahu and or his WhatsApp messages to Mohammed bin Salman, uh, Salman uh, you know, do I really want the crown jewels of the NSA's latest in, in, in that crew's hands? You know, I've, <laughs> I'm, I've just been praying that there's some hidden hand of, of destiny <laughs> guiding us and we've made it we've made it this far but you know the you know somewhere between that clown show and and guys like rick grinnell uh former employee of a uh you know moldovan russian mob oligarch Plahatniuk, and uh you know late in his fera filings for uh victor orban in, in hungary as dni uh you know, I'm not sure why I'd want that guy to have <laughs> briefings. And then now they got uh, Ratcliffe in. Second time was a charm, finally. And uh, yes. he, he kind of got in. And I, I assume they've given him the keys to the men's washroom at this point, possibly instructions to the curated coffee maker. And I'm praying not much else. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, since these guys are not acting in America's interest, I don't need, I don't, <laughs> I don't think they need to know <laughs> necessarily what uh, uh, what our intelligence community is coming up with this week. Uh, you know, uh, they're legally, they're supposed to be able to have it. And hopefully they've been good stewards of that. And we don't have, uh, I don't know, any unsecure WhatsApp messages sending out top secret plus code word Intel to the Saudis through Jared. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not sure if FBI counterintelligence would pick up on that or the NSA would, who knows? We'll find out someday. Uh, but yeah, the fact that, I mean, look, this is a nightmare. These guys are, <laughs> these guys are, are not loyal Americans. And yeah, they're not going to get along with the people who have sworn their lives to protect this country and get vital intelligence. So, it, uh, you know, since before the election, but definitely since Trump had the ultimate bad taste of going in and defacing the CIA's wall of stars, uh, the, you know, that's a cemetery for intelligence people. From that day forward, there's been no question that this is an adversarial relationship. And well, it doesn't surprise me that it's gone on this long. Yeah, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, too, is this a product of the, you know, chilling effect that uh, his attacks on the intelligence community and his, you know, not wanting to hear about Russia? Is 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 that because of this? Or maybe, you know, maybe there's stuff that, I, you know, I don't know how hard the intelligence community is trying to brief Trump. You know, like, are, are, are they holding back? You know, because I, I would imagine... And I'm really, I'm actually kind of surprised Kushner isn't taking all of these briefings just so Kushner can take them, you know? That part doesn't surprise me. I mean, Kushner seems to take a more active role in everything. And I know you've had the wonderful Lincoln's Bible on just recently. And she's always marveling. Why does Donald Trump seem so afraid of Jared Kushner? What is it that Kushner knows? You know, what is it that Kushner is there to do? Um, and uh, given his relationships to Benjamin Netanyahu and, and that head of state's near analogous behavior right up to blaming the media, uh, trying to tear apart the rule of law as we speak in his country, um, you know, there, he's, uh, he's not much of an ally to uh, democracy either. Um, so Jared's role there is 
is, you know, very sketchy. So I, uh, I, I have not been surprised to hear how many requests uh, Kushner reportedly made of the intelligence community. And uh, one day I'd, I'd like to hear what he did with all that information. We've, we've unfortunately lived to the point where we've seen, you know, three years ago, Donald Trump have lower level Russian officials uh, in the Oval Office with their electronics, which are not allowed from anyone, much less the Russians, uh, you know, to hand over, you know, supposedly code word level uh, intelligence documents out of a lock bag. Uh, you know, we've, we, we had that, that was, that was three years ago and more when that, that, mm. you know, that kind of dishonorable thing was going on. Who knows what, what has been the struggle behind the scenes. I'm just glad to know that I think if we've made it safely this far, we, we still have some really dedicated professionals who have been determined to get by this ugly chapter in American history and serve us well. And I, you know, I think as we approach another election with uh, our intelligence community telling us, they're briefing us about foreign interference. Mm. They're, they're letting us mm-hmm. defend our own democracy without, you know, giving up, you know, top secret plus 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 from any particular agency, but just telling us what the threats are particularly uh, to the sanctity of our elections. And that's, that's just more to my respect for the intelligence community and everybody who works for it. So. Yeah, agreed. And it's, it just seems like this weird circular firing squad. Everyone's walking around with their own sort of Damocles because I think, you know, with Kushner and Ivanka and Trump, everybody, they've just all got so much shit on each other that they're all just barely hanging on to a thread by, you know, having to do these things to not release the shit on each other. It's just, it's incredible to me. But um, I finally wanted to, um, speaking of uh, the intelligence community, I want to talk about the counterintelligence report. We're expecting volume five of the Russian election interference from 2016 report. It will be the counterintelligence report from the SISI. That's the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. And we're expecting that, what, any day now? And uh, what what do you, I mean, I've, I've heard some folks say it's going to blow everything apart and Trump's going to disintegrate into a puff of dust and everything will be saved to more along my feelings, which is I don't think there's going to be anything in there uh, unless it's under redaction bars that's going to blow anybody's mind. You know, uh, I find that an interesting dichotomy because I think people who understand the importance of what we've already learned we're living in a, in a fugue like state where we're like, how is this entire group of people not in prison for what has been revealed already? And frankly, if you're, if you haven't been moved by the Mueller report, if you haven't been moved by the, uh, the transcripts of Adam Schiff's, uh, 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 interviews from 2017, kind of before these idiots all realized they were, what they had done was really, really bad, <laughs> which I've, I've been line by line through uh, the House Intel transcripts uh, from 2017 when he interviewed all those people. And you can tell they're just sort of, they're new to D.C. and they don't realize that playing footsie with that many hostile you know, intelligence services during a presidential campaign was that bad a thing. And it's that bad a thing. You know, you, you read that and you go, well, what else do you need here? And, you know, you realize that the general public is, you know, I think I think even intelligence professionals are slow to realize just how powerful the propaganda machine has become, especially once it got to target people on their psychographic profiles. Facebook, mm. the, the main malefactor, 
Twitter to a degree, um, that they that that these that hostile intelligence services plus uh, various political operatives were able to leverage these very willing social media platforms to to, to propagandize people in a way that I, I don't even think we understand yet. Uh, it, it'll take sociologists a while to get through what happened. Um, but you know, they've been told, they were they were very carefully told not to pay attention to this incredibly dangerous thing. So, you know, more to your your initial instinct, you know, is there anything that's going to be explosive in here? Well, on that basis, maybe not. But what I've heard is different about Volume Five is involved the Americans that worked with the Russians, because the average American has not heard of Valerie Gerasimov, doesn't care about his doctrine or not doctrine, doesn't care about the difference between the SVR, who the Dutch got on video while they were hacking from 2014 to 16. They don't care their, about their relationship compared to the, the, the GRU, the GRU, the main intelligence director of the Russians. They don't care. But if they see an American name pop up, and so this guy gave data and it went to here and then they talked about it and they knew about it. Um, you know, we already know about Roger Stone and Paul Manafort handing over really sensitive campaign data to Konstantin Kalimnik, uh, who, you know, oh, he was a translator at one point. He's a Russian spy, guys. And he handed it to <laughs> Russia. So we already know that. But no one really knew who Paul Manafort was. But man, if they see their senator, their Congress critter, they see, you know, people or, or new or yet new names that we haven't seen yet, but that people know if we get some, re, you know, some revelations there and people understand that this was partially an inside job. There are a lot of people, the vast majority of people, even in the political class, I don't think knew what was going on or how powerful it was or how effective it could be until Trump won. And I just remember looking at the, uh, there was a photo together of Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and they're both just smiling, these kind of intense smile, like, ah, we won, <laughs> we, he, he's, ha, 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 and then the Russians cheered in the Duma the next, the next day, that, <laughs> well, I guess we have a, the president said we have all three branches of it, so that's, that, that looked, I don't know, I'm not an expert profiler with the FBI, it seemed like they were surprised. And maybe a little unnerved. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so I think a lot of people were not read in on just how, how powerful the, the foreign interference was uh, running up to the election and the day of the election. But if we start seeing some names of people who did know, enthusiastically went around, you know, went on with it, were paid, didn't report the income, all the things that can trigger, you know, felony <laughs> investigations and whatnot. Mm. On the way up, you know, now we're in the under 90 days to the, the ability to fix this problem. We've got a full ticket on the Democratic side. We've got Joe Biden, who's been, you know, a foreign affairs national security senator for decades. You've got Kamala Harris, who is on Senate Intel Committee and Judiciary, who's briefed. I mean, these people could walk in the door and know exactly what to do. Um, so we've got a chance to fix this within 90 days. I don't know. I think it's, you know, if there's, if there's enough powerful and just clear to the average person information that, no, it wasn't just Russians who you can't envision. It's somebody you mm -hmm. can envision, worked with our enemy, now you know. If you don't know, well, now you know. <laughs> yeah. That could be a big deal. 
And and yet that is exactly um, what I'll be looking for. And I do I do want to clarify when I say nothing mind blowing. I mean, the Mueller report was fucking mind blowing. I didn't I don't want anyone to think I just meant nothing in addition to uh, uh, to that. But you're yeah, that's you know you're absolutely right. We're going to be looking for some of those names that we recognize that we didn't see in the Mueller report that people can relate to because you know they might not understand. Oh, Kalimnik, you know. On Deripaska's yacht with Nastia Ribka, they go, ah, it's too yeah, fucking yeah. far away for me to care. I can't even pronounce that. I mean, it took, it took senators and, <laughs> and, and congressmen like three years to say, Veselnitskin, not going to work here anymore, you know. Veselnitskin, not going to work here anymore. <laughs> Thanks, John Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who sucked. He should change it. <laughs> Uh, you know, when, when you know, you're, you're trying to say, uh, you know, uh, Ahmed Richin, the, you know, the guy who hung out with Cy Hirsch and, and had motorcycles or whatever, who used to be a translator, who's a spy? I mean, they, you know, you can't even, I'm like, I can, I even have trouble saying the guy's name. That's not going to cut through, but, you know. No, yeah, I know. I still have a hard time with uh, Rob Lovelyev, Rob, Robbie Lov, Rob Lovelyev, Robocop. We call him Robocop, the money laundering Russians. Between Monaco uh, and the United States, the world's shittiest house guest. Just wherever he goes and buys things, just just national security crises follow. He sucks as a guest. Don't have him at your dinner party. He's a good guy on the couch. Only Russian. <laughs> All right. Eric, uh, can you do me a favor and tell me where people can find you? Well, I'm on Twitter constantly until this thing is uh, thing goes away and we, <laughs> we have a return to sanity at, at Eric Garland. It's also my private channel for people who want to have uh, discussions without the prying eyes of uh, people uh, who don't have good intentions at, at Game Theory Today, which is our little private channel, uh, and have a lot of fun on. And then I'm a regular on Narrative uh, with Zeb Shalev and LB and mm, Greg yeah. Oliar, so and have a ton of fun there. Uh, yeah, you just had uh, Jill Weinbanks on, who is a gem of a human person, and uh, I recommend everybody, when I talked to LB yesterday, Lincoln's Bible yesterday, I was like, everyone must listen to that episode, and then continue to listen to Narrative. It's a great, great podcast. She was, I mean, you know, uh, she, she is so vivacious and confident uh, about what's going on here, and that, yeah, these are people, I mean, it's so great to have somebody who's faced something really ugly, although she points out not as ugly as this but the, the remedies mm. seem the same you know we can get this thing back we can get this place back but you gotta apply the law it's just so cool to hear her say oh no we we had nixon indicted before we had the case like you know mm-hmm. you, you gotta go mm-hmm. to the central guy and we were like no, 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 no. He, he didn't know about the break and he knew right after that when you establish those facts and you nail it to the big guy and that's when you can you know uh, you can really get some prosecutions going, especially with RICO and, you know, national security investigations a little tougher, but either way, you know, details will, I think, pale in comparison to the fact that these guys did some very nasty stuff to this country and uh, Mm. they're legally liable in a number of ways. We'll see. Yeah. And I'm glad Joe Biden uh, has said uh, he's, he's committed to, to looking into that and not doing the whole, we got to move forward and unite. Uh, (laughs) I think that uh, that sort of thing is what put us here in the first place, but thank you so much for coming on today. Intelligence analyst for corporations and governments, Eric Garland. I appreciate you coming on talking to me today. Thank you, AG. Everybody stay with us right after this quick break. We're going to have the good news block. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. 
Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG, and this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Sunbasket. With so many of us stuck at home trying to be responsible with social distancing, I found the perfect service, Sunbasket. If you want to eat tasty and nutritious meals while avoiding crowded grocery stores and not killing yourself with a Postmates budget like I did last month, Sunbasket delivers delicious, healthy meals straight to your door. Sunbasket has amazing recipes for all kinds of dietary preferences, including paleo, gluten-free, Mediterranean, vegetarian, and more. They make it really easy and incredibly convenient. Everything is pre-portioned and ready to prep and cook, a third of the price of other delivery services. And you can enjoy a full dinner of organic produce and clean ingredients in as little as 15 minutes, no matter how good you are at, at cooking, and I'm terrible. But these turn out perfect each time. Uh, every week, they deliver a wide range of recipes to choose from. You can try mouth-watering dishes like cashew lime-glazed chicken with bok choy and orange salsa, or steaks and romesco with baby broccoli, uh, summer squash and almonds, and spicy terramanchana masala with naan. It's so delicious. And you can order from any recipes across their menu. Skip a week when you want to. You can edit your menu whenever, you know, it's, you know, up to a certain date, but it's really, really flexible and convenient. You can double up on your favorite recipes, too. And Sunbasket facilities have the highest levels of food and employee safety. They reinforce strict adherence to operating procedures and have increased sanitization frequency in their distribution centers to protect you and your family and their family of employees. And that's really important to us. And right now, Sunbasket is offering $35 off your order. We go right now to sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans at checkout. That's Sunbasket. Sunbasket.com slash dailybeans. Use promo code dailybeans at checkout and you'll get $35 off your order. Again, that's sunbasket.com slash dailybeans and enter promo code dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we're blown on good news. It's on the way. And back with me for the good news is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. And I am going to let you read this first piece of good news because there is a photo attached to it Ooh. and you're going to die. Ooh, I'm going to die. That sounds nice. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. Um <laughs> the cuteness will kill you. <laughs> yes, okay. Perfect. Here we go. I am finding it right now and I wasn't prepared and I should have been prepared and here we go. Good news okay. coming we up. to it's hear you preparing. Scrolling. Drawing back the curtains. Oh, God. <laughs> My God. Okay. Well, actually, at, at I know. This, I, did I tell you? Yes. At the, Well, no. At this point, um, I am just not fine. Oh, here we go. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. From Adrian. <laughs> pronouns she, her. My news is selfish and doesn't help anyone else but us, but I'm okay with that right now. My husband and I got a puppy. Ah! Oh my god! I know. Look, look, look at the eyes. Look at the eyes. Look at the oh eyes. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! And a little tongue. Oh god. Okay, it's the culmination of a lot of work. New job, new city, and we bought our first house. So now we have the space and resources to have our little guy. His name is Doug, and he's an angel, except for when he Doug. isn't. <laughs> um, he's massive lab. And German Shepherd and 100% cute as hell. Hope you enjoyed the puppy pics. Sorry I said so many. I'm just such a proud pod dog mom. Oh my god. That is going to be a huge <sighs> dog. Oh my god. He is so cute. A Mastiff Lab and German Shepherd. I know. It looks oh. like velvet too. I want to touch his yes. velvety ears. With the little purple Thank you for collar. That. <laughs> I know, and his little brown feet. Okay. Oh All right, so we're going to send this out in our newsletter. If you're a patron, you'll get the newsletter. We I think we're going to start sending the newsletters back out again on Fridays. 
Uh, and so this will be in there, and you're gonna you're gonna freaking die. <laughs> yes. After looking at All that right. picture, I just looked over at my dog, and I was like, "You ugly piece of shit." That's how cute this dog is. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Oh, it's another dog one. Oh, it's Aww. dog day. Okay. <laughs> Next is uh from Susanna. Pronoun she her. I introduced my new pod dog Joey P. He's a chihuahua, a chihuahua. Which is a wire, uh, yes, Chihuahua, a wired haired terrier Chihuahua mix, Chihuahua. His pronouns are cute dog, good dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about doing a COVID dog adoption since I'll be working from home through the end of 2020 at least. Uh, it was the sound of the over the top love in Jordan's voice when she adopted her pod dog that oh! pushed me over the edge. Oh, God. I started signing up to adopt on rescue agency websites, and then I had, I wonder how many dogs you're going to save, Jordan, by rescuing your dog. <laughs> Then I had to hit the pause button due to a dear family friend, Paulo, going into hospice. She peacefully passed on August 6th, and that very evening I was invited to meet the dog who would soon become mine. Joey P. is now firmly wedged into my heart, and the P. is in honor of our dear Paula, who is an animal lover and supporter of animal welfare. Every time I say his name, I'm invoking her blessed memory. Thank you, Jordan, A.G., and Amanda for helping me take the leap in adopting my first very own dog. Oh. You should see this guy. Oh my God. <gasps> I mean, sorry. Cute dog, good dog. Yes. The pronouns are cute dog, good dog. Yes. Oh, my oh God. Another freaking adorable dog. Chihuahua, oh Chihuahua wired hair terrier mix. I know. Oh, this I is know. killing me. I'm so... Uh, <laughs> it's seriously... You, if you're not a patron, you have to be a patron just to get the pod dog photos, you guys. Yes. It really does. It's just like opened up this chamber of my heart that I seriously have never like... Like, I had a family dog growing up, and it was very much opened with Dupree, but having my own dog that's just me and her, it's like, it is such a true, true, true joy and blessing, and I will never, ever make fun of a crazy dog parent again, because I completely get it. They're just the Mm -hmm. best. Oh, they're the best. I have a really quick anecdote. Me and Coco went on a hike uh, the other day, just around like a flat loop or in around Del Mar. And we get on the trail and it says that there's rattlesnakes. And so I'm like, you know, a complete anxiety freak. And I'm like, oh, fuck, fuck. I don't, what the fuck do you do with a rattlesnake? I'm like, do I have a knife in my car? Or like, what, like, how do I prepare myself? And so we're going around this loop. And the whole time I'm just like fixated on, you know, seeing a rattlesnake and I'm super scared and stuff. And so we finished the first loop and Coco was kind of like nervous too. And then... By that time, I was like, all right, let's go for a second loop. We could do this. And then by the second loop, Coco was better. And I was like a completely different person because I wasn't like anxious about it anymore because I had just, you know, provided myself evidence that there wasn't going to be rattlesnakes most likely and we weren't going to die. And it was like her and I went through this thing together and we even like jogged a little bit and she was so good on the leash. And it was just like, God damn, this is so fucking cool. She's my best friend. It's so... Uh, it's so sweet. I love it. <laughs> um, all right. Next up from anonymous pronouns she her, Ilan Omar on her primary uh, won her primary on Tuesday, August eleventh. Go squad! Her challenger was heavily funded, but the voters spoke. I received four pieces of literature from the Ilhan Omar campaign and another four from the Democratic Party that included Ilhan Omar, along with other endorsed candidates for other offices. But I received twelve pieces of lit from her challenger and another six pieces of lit from a pack that try- just tried to tear down Ilhan Omar. The good news is that she won despite all this money thrown into this race. 
Oh my gosh, that is such good news. Thank you for sending that in. I did not, I mean, that's like, that's a great metric to measure how up against uh, the wall somebody is like money-wise. So that's, that's fantastic. Yes. Oh, so stoked. (laughs) Progressives are winning primary races like everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see here. Next up from Jay. Pronouns he, him. Sorry, I lost my place. When Biden announced Kamala as the VP pick, I was on a televisit with my therapist. By the way, guys, let's end the pressure of having to be a manly man. It's okay to admit you're depressed and have anxiety. It's okay to get help. That's manly, too. Fuck yes, it is, Jay. (laughs) Yes. So in the middle of our session, her husband comes busting into her home office, interrupting us and very excited to announce Kamala Harris was picked. This turned our session into a political-themed chat. She (laughs) told me about someone she knows that can't sell her house because people cancel their viewing appointments when they see the Trump flag, (laughs) the signs she has up. She also said about one out of 20 people she talks to is still a Trump supporter versus the nine out of 10, nine nine of 10 or so four years ago. This gives me hope for my little red section of Maryland. Yay. That's so funny. You're on the television and the husband comes in. It's Kamala (laughs) doing a dance. I love Ah, it. That's so good. I love it. So true about men going to therapy too. Um, I highly recommend mm-hmm. you all listen to the song Samaritans by the band Idols, I-D-L-E-S. There's like amazing lyrics in there about masculinity and like emotions and it's so fucking good and they're like such a good band. So if you're into music, please listen to them and uh, let me know what you think. All right. Thank you, Jay. Next up from Anthony, pronouns he, him. I love the Idols. Our friend has a Idols Russell. podcast. Russell. Yes. Right? Russell that- got me into them. Yeah. Yes. They're, yeah, they're great. They're, they're great. so they're great. fucking good. It's in like mm-hmm. favorite band I've been introduced to in the last year, like easily. So fucking good. Mm-hmm. God damn. You got to listen to them. Anyways, next up from Anthony, pronouns he, him. Uh, Anthony says, hi, ladies. Thanks for all that you do and for keeping me sane and informed during this time period. This good news will probably pale in comparison to others, but I want to share. Hopefully it will inspire others. I've had a rough few years in my life. After graduating high school, I fell into a deep depression, so deep that I rarely left my house. I had a lot of self-confidence issues and my parents didn't help out that much in that category either. After going through two jobs in just three years, I felt I was at the end of my rope. I was turning 26 and didn't have much to show for my life. That's when I decided to stop feeling sorry for myself, get off my ass, and try to make something of myself. All my life, I had been told that I should never go to college, partly due to my learning disability and my math, and that I would fail out. But I said, screw that. I'm going to prove those haters wrong. So I applied to a local community college majoring in computer science. And you know what? I did excellent. I made the dean's list and (laughs) president's list multiple times. And I'm now part of Phi Theta Kappa Honor Society. Yes, life has been rough for me like others during this COVID time. But I feel more positive for my future than ever before. So to others that may feel like they they aren't worth anything. Trust me, you are. Believe in yourself. Take chances. If I can do it, so can you. Yes, Anthony. doesn't pale in comparison. That is fucking amazing, Anthony. And, you know, truth be told, I didn't pick myself up and dust myself off and get my shit together until I was in my 30s. So you're way ahead of the game, (laughs) first of all. And second of all, like, like, this is so inspiring and so awesome. And I'm so glad that you were able to 
doubt like doubt the haters hate the doubters whatever and like <laughs> show them that you can fucking do it and you did and now you're like i did it and i'm fucking awesome mm-hmm. that's so great i'm so so happy i'm so happy for you i love that i feel like a lot of people our age because i'm 27 i'm around the same age i feel like a lot of us need to hear that it's it's like scary out there especially in this economy during these times so even i who you know objectively has had a lot of success thank you ag um it has had those thoughts too sometimes you know it's like total imposter syndrome stuff which we talk about all the time and i appreciate you sending that in yeah i had similar issues at you know 25 26 27 trying to think about going back to school after being out of the navy working at denny's like this isn't going anywhere (laughs) and um just make the decision you know and then you do it and uh surprise yourself with how well you can do so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad i'm really glad and, and i'm glad that you now know that you can pretty much do whatever, whatever the fuck you want and you're going to be great at it yes so yes 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 next up from anonymous pronoun she her i have worked for the same company for almost nine years now i love where i work and what i do i'm grateful that i've been able to continue to work during this time and the company i work for has been working to accommodate everyone in this time of need i just found out that we're going to continue working from home until the end of the year and they are looking at who can continue this permanently i am so excited about this i have found that working from home is so much more productive for me not only work-wise but health-wise I suffer from narcolepsy and depression, and working from home allows me to sleep sleep in a little longer, but also to create a schedule that is less stressful on my body. I can get workouts in, make sure household chores are getting done, get work done, and make sure I get plenty of sleep. That has always been a huge stressor for me. Thanks for all of the hard work that you do. AG Jordan and Mandy are an inspiration to many. Thank you for sending that in. That is so great. I know that... I know that telework can be, it depends on your situation, right? A lot Mm -hmm. of people have a hard time with it and some people really thrive with it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really glad you're thriving with it. And, and I love, I mean, that's part of a a big part of what was going on with me and my government job is had to do with telework. And, and I, you know, I'm so glad that they're, they support that and that it works for you. And I mean, it's more productive for you and that's that you know and then that makes you feel better and then you get more sleep and your health improves i'm just so happy that's so great i'm so happy today i know me too i am like really happy i don't know what happened but i have a super happy bug in me and it's kamala harris yeah kamala harris. maybe um we have a we have a we have a done ticket it's done yes. it's cooked and we're fucking going and we're gonna win yeah i feel so much like forward momentum right now i'm just really 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 ready to get him the fuck out i'm so ready (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so are a lot of people ah all right our last piece of good news is coming from mr denicio del toro have jordan read this one please your wish is my (laughs) command when ag mentioned 100 plus people needing patron memberships i rose to the challenge i paid for membership for someone who i will probably never meet but there's someone who needs a sponsorship it's just the right thing to do and now for my challenge to any listeners who can swing it financially if there's anyone out there sitting on the fence about sponsoring someone do it it's just 36 bucks it helps someone else get more beans it helps muller's angels keep up the good fights and it will keep it will make you feel good too with the awesome news of vp harris on the ticket which has given me a ray of light in dark times i chose today to sponsor someone and i am doing it in honor of kamala harris biden harris 2020 in closing i am hoping one day ag will tell jordan about the beautiful love story of dr michael heffer and Anne umel i put this in to hear ag laugh at jordan's pronunciations <laughs> you beans queens slash mother's angels rock <laughs> <laughs> 
That worked out perfectly. Worked all of that. Like a charm. Half her. Half her. It's, it's Dr. Huffar and Anne Hay. <laughs> so. Oh my God. That's so fucking amazing. Oh, uh, so thank good. you. I needed that laugh. Yes. Um, and thank you for sponsoring. In the honor of Kamala. I know. Thank you so much, Mr. Denisio Del Toro. I know that's not your right. <laughs> but um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, one day uh, I will... No, I won't just tell you the love story of Dr. Hafar and Animal <laughs> I will show you the film. And you'll be able to understand. <laughs> Do they say it like that in the movie? Yes. Oh, okay. Amazing. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. You know, it's really funny, too. I cheated. When you were reading, I, like, read down, you know, a little bit beforehand. And then I got some practice in my brain. And that's still the best that came out. <laughs> You did really good. Thank you. You did really good. Thank you. <laughs> you did. I, 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 the names were created to not be able to be pronounced. Yes. So you did a very good job. <laughs> um, I do have one last thing I, I want to uh, mention here. We got um, a message from Noel at Louder Than Hate um, who says, they're a huge fan of the podcast. You think you're extremely talented women. Keep it up. We are a group of activists who can no longer sit silent as we're coming closer to such an important election. We are gathering 50 artists in 50 states to uniquely interpret Trump's divisive words, outrageous quotes, and incomprehensible tweets. Our goal is to raise awareness on the severity of what's at stake in the upcoming election. With public art, we will be encouraging community and public participation to bring about social change. We hope to strike up a dialogue, raise consciousness, and empower individuals and communities. We want it, we want it to encourage everyone who can vote and tell others to vote as well and we'll be focusing on mural and street art 3d projection um, 3d projection mapping on landmarks and digital billboard trucks we want to use his own words against him this is a grassroots effort and we're trying to raise funds through crowdsourcing we call we're calling on all activists artists property owners and anyone who can help make this happen check out our website to find out how you can help louderthanhate.com so we will also share that and the indiegogo campaign uh, for louder than hate in our on twitter and in our newsletter so thank you for doing that i think that that's really incredible i love i love street art i love everything about what you're doing so yeah check it out louder than hate.com yeah totally so cool thank you for reaching out i love that i love the sound of all of that badass yep sounds good and my next cat i think will be named omel mahay so i'm excited <laughs> about that as well and Thank you all for your good news stories. If you um, have a good news story, no matter how insignificant you think it is, I promise you it will inspire somebody. It will make someone's day. It will make somebody laugh. Send it in to us. Go to dailybeanspod.com and uh, click on contact. And you can, from there, you can submit that. You can submit a quarantine confession, which we'll be recording that episode tomorrow. It'll go out to patrons on Friday ad-free and then out to the public on Saturday. And you can also submit corrections. And I swear I will get to them. I know they've been piling up since Mueller, she wrote, like, stopped airing because that's where we did all, all of our corrections for both shows. But I will get to them. And so send those in, too, if you hear any corrections. We definitely want to make sure that we get everything right. We'll get it right eventually is the is the catchphrase for corrections. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, any, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Because I think um, tomorrow Amy Carrera will be joining us. Um, and so Yay. love Amy. Yeah, but you, I think you'll be here. I think you'll be around for good news, unless you're unless a man unless Mandy's making a good news appearance. Yeah, I'll I'll hit up Mandy and see if she wants to come on. The people were super happy to have her on again, and I I would uh, love to yield my time to Mandy if she wants <laughs> if she wants to come on tomorrow. 
Yeah, and if people miss you, then we can just join Jump on the Happy Hour, which starts Friday at 4 Pacific time. We need a theme. You can send us the theme at the same place you submit your corrections and good news and quarantine confessions at dailybeanspod.com and send us the theme for Friday. It starts at 4 Pacific for patrons and 5 uh, for everyone else, for the public. And, you know, I'll see what kind of celebrity pop-ins I can get. Mm -hmm. Celebrity (laughs) pop-ins. Yeah, we had a Jonas Brothers cousin. (laughs) He's not a part of the immediate. He's not a part of the immediate band all the time, but he is a part of their touring band and studio band, I believe. So that counts very much. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He's a Jonas cousin. Mm-hmm. He was on. He like he did the, the SNL performance yes. with them. He's their percussionist. Totally. Demian. <laughs> yes. And Amy Carrero pops in, and I know we had Josh Gelter come in. Andrew Torres will pop in sometimes. Uh, Jean Yoon is always there. She's a delight. Mm-hmm. I love her. Um, Hollywood Dave, who's not a celebrity, but he's you know <laughs> Hollywood Dave. Um, we, <laughs> it's just a, such a fun group. I think you guys would really like it. It's kind of like going back to hanging out, you know, at a happy hour with your friends, and it's 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 important, I think, and and those connections are incredible. So, join us, do join us, and uh, we will see you all tomorrow. And uh, until, do you have any? I'm sorry, did I ask you if you had anything else you wanted to? Oh no, no worries. No, I'm I'm all set. All right. I didn't want to assume. Um, Yes. (laughs) But with that, we'll see you all tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And them's the Beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>